Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. Continuing on in our series in 2 Peter entitled Followship. If you read 2 Peter, it is this, this challenge to really all of us. We, we look at some scriptures and they're written specifically to the, the people of that day. And then we can glean from it. This particular uh, book, letter from 2 Peter is written to all of us. It's written to believers because Peter wanted something to be known past his lifetime and past his, uh, you know, just, just time on earth. And, and if, if, if you're like me, maybe you're not, but we're forgetful people. How many of you are forgetful people? Don't say anything if you're a forgetful person. All of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah there we go. That, that's the way you get a good response. But uh, how many of you have ever had a kid come up with you? Parents, raise your hand. Okay. How many of you have ever had one of your children come back to you and say, you know what? A couple of years I was mad at you and... You were telling me to do something that I didn't think was right at the time. And I just want to thank you because that changed me. That changed my life. That made everything better because of what you said. And I know I was so mad at that time, but I just want you to forgive me. Anybody? Okay, better. Anybody ever gone back to your parents and actually said that? Oh. Quite a few people in the room better than me. Okay, that's, that's all right. Then. But wouldn't that be awesome just for a kid or someone in your life? Even if you don't have kids, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a classmate. They come back to you and say, hey, man, you, you were pretty harsh on me and you were telling me stuff and I was pretty mean, but I, I just want to thank you. And this is the spirit of what Peter is doing. He's giving this charge to all Christians, us. That he's saying, you know what, you're going to live your life, you're going to forget, but you need to remember this. And he gives us this incredible, incredible encouragement as we go. And so we're looking at this, uh, this series, this fellowship in Second Peter, and the, the two questions, and Jesse has covered these for us. Who will you follow, and how will you know what to do? And when we talk about who you follow. Listen to the key verse that we'll look at. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 and 15. He says, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth that you have been taught. Let me see if you can pick out a key word. I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them. What do we call that in a marriage? Nagging, yes, you got it. And that's what Peter is doing, man. The dude is nagging. And then he says, he says uh, even though you already know him, even though you're already standing firm, and that's important to hear because that's when nagging is really annoying, is when you're doing it, you're doing right, you're standing firm, but you're still telling me over and over and over again. You're standing firm in the truth you've been taught. But he says this, I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after. I am gone. And that's the urgency of Second uh, Peter. How will you know what to do? And, and this is the most consistent theme in Second uh, Peter, and it's this word of knowledge. And, and he points to a knowledge that we have to have 
and that is of Scripture. In 2 Peter 1.19, he, uh, as you read, he says, because of that experience, and it's this experience of the transfiguration, which is a theological term for when Jesus went up on a mountain and literally, literally shone the radiance of God. And Peter was able to see that. He was able to see it with you know, characters in the Old Testament that are no longer characters. They became very real people to him. Moses and Elijah appeared. And so this amazing event happened. And he said, because of that, he goes, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. What second, or what Peter is saying to us in this letter he wrote is that, man, after that, it's like everything became clear to me. I have true perspective of what matters right now. It's kind of like the moments after a car wreck. It's like perspective comes into place. You know, what really matters, matters. And he didn't see a car wreck. He actually saw the radiance of God through Jesus. And it's like, man, everything this guy has been telling me is true. And because of that, man, you've got to know. You have got to know. And so today we get into that important part of what was so important that he wanted to nag the followers of Jesus about, even though they were standing firm. And that's an excellent thought, because what does Peter want to tell me, even in the time when I'm standing firm, what does he want me to know? And it's very simple. He wants you to know and me to know how to know. That's a lot of hows and to knows. But he wants us to know how to discover those that we should not follow. And it's difficult. It's not as easy as you would think. But how do you know who not to follow? And that's important because we are drawn to, uh, well, we are drawn to things we like. We are drawn to... Uh, things that are attractive. We are drawn to what just literally in our minds makes sense. And sometimes those things come along and they're not the people or the thing or the person we're supposed to be following. And so Peter gives us this list and, and in it, what you're gonna hear is a lot of judgment on these people and we'll call them false prophets and false teachers. You're gonna hear a lot of judgment on the people and then a lot of characteristics of the people. And what I want you to pay attention to today is not the judgment on them, though that is very real. What I want you to pay attention to is the characteristics, because that's the heart of the message that Peter is saying. I want you to be able to recognize these people so that you do not follow them. Have you ever followed the wrong person somewhere? I certainly have. I'll tell you a story. We... Uh, Michelle and I, my wife, we had the opportunity to go to, to Israel. We went with, there was about 12 of us. There was a group of our whole family. My dad took us. And uh, it was New Year's Eve. We were traveling from Houston to uh, Tel Aviv. Well, as you might be surprised about, there was a security issue in Tel Aviv. Big surprise. But it worked out well in our advantage because what they did is they rerouted the plane to Paris. And so we ended up in Paris with a free hotel room, free is relative, but uh, we ended up in Paris with a free hotel room on New Year's Eve at about 8 p.m. And so we decide we have a choice. We can leave this airport 
And they really didn't give us any luggage or anything like that. We just had our carry-on stuff because it stayed on the plane. And uh, whatever was going on in Tel Aviv was apparently too bad that we couldn't get there that night. And so we have a choice. Do we go, do we go to the hotel, which is the airport hotel, and go to bed? Or it's New Year's Eve, do we go hit Paris? Well, I think you know the answer. You go hit Paris. Well, in Paris, on, on New Year's Eve and holidays, all the public transportation is free. Now, there is an important thing you need to know, and that is how to read and talk French. We didn't have any of that. But nonetheless, we just muddied our way through, and we ended up on the, uh, the subway, the, uh, the railways, whatever they call them there. But uh, Michelle, my wife, was actually our saving grace because she took French rather than Spanish in, uh, in high school. And so at least she could say the numbers. One thing we learned in Paris, if you speak American, you are nothing. If you speak Spanish, you are an American trying to speak Spanish. If you're really Spanish and you speak Spanish, you're kind of okay. But Americans, no bueno. See, that's why. And, uh, but she was able to pull out some French, and so we were able to make our way to where to get on and make it to the Eiffel Tower and all that kind of good stuff. But the important thing when we were coming back, now it's after midnight, we hop back on the subway to try and find our way back to the airport and we really didn't know what we were doing because we, we really can't speak or read or anything French. And she's only good at numbers, you know. Those aren't very helpful where you're trying to find what the numbers mean. But uh, long story short, we found these people that we could follow because they knew what they were doing. At least they looked like it. And uh, they were not speaking our language. They didn't look like us. They were dressed a lot cooler than us. They were more current, which means they were not American. You know, they had to be kind of hip or something like that. And so we followed them. And uh, we ended up in the worst part of Paris you could ever imagine. Like, apparently, all of Paris is not Paris. You know, when you go downtown somewhere, there are places where you just don't need to be. Well, we, we get to the end, and so we start looking at these television things that, again, Michelle can tell us what the numbers are, but we have no idea what it's saying, you know. And... Uh, all of a sudden we look at these people that we've been following and they're looking at us, we're looking at them and they seem kind of mad at us, just like we're mad at them. Well, after getting a little bit closer to them and learning their language, they were speaking German and they were watching us and they thought we knew what we were doing and we thought they knew what they were doing. And the reality is none of us knew what we were doing. We ended up at the end of the line at about one, two o'clock in the morning, was the last run of the subway and we're done. Uh, long story short, the story's not as important, but we went into a hotel, which was not like what you would expect, but basically just a, a very small room, smaller than the stage with a guy that we just woke up because he lives there. And we basically told him in English, we're not leaving until you get us to the airport. And so about $1,000 later, we made it to the airport. So that kind of gives you how the story went. And, uh, and his nephew with a minivan uh, served us quite well. Now. We followed them because they looked the part. We followed them because they looked about right. There was one time when I was lost in downtown Houston, a much shorter story, but uh, this was before you could plug in GPS to your phone and get out of downtown Houston, but I didn't know the way. I actually went to college down there, so I know it very well now, but downtown Houston back then, you know, you just, there was just seemingly no way out unless you found the right street. And a car passed by that had a bumper sticker on it. And uh, it was the bumper sticker from the church I went to, the church I grew up in. And it said, uh, Sagemont Church, everyone goes. And so I looked at my friends, 
They looked at me and go, we're going to follow that car until we are somewhere where we recognize it. The reason is, now this is much better reason to follow something because I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that car at some point in its history had been to where I needed to go. And so I was following at the very least, not necessarily smart, but at the very least I was following a truth that I could hang on to. And it worked out great for me. We ended up back on I-45 back in Southeast Houston. We're all good to go. But the difference is before I was following a group of people that looked the part. But over here in Houston, I followed something that had a thread of truth that I could hang my hat on, is that that vehicle at one period of time was where I need to go. And so hopefully, hopefully, it's going to go back to that point. Peter, in this book, he is telling us a truth that we need to hang on to, and he is showing us what to not look for in somebody that you would follow. And so he's pointing out these uh, false teachers. Last week, Jesse said this. He said, God's word is always the next step. When you're lost, you're confused where to go, when anything is going on in your life, God's word is always the next step because God's word is the only truth. 2 Timothy 3, 16. He said at the very end, all scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true. It teaches us what is true. It shows us the path. And then it says it, it is useful to teach us what is true and then to make us realize what is wrong in our life. What that means is scripture will show us the path and then it will show us what is wrong. It will show us when we are off the path. And then it will make us realize when we are, what is wrong in our lives, and then it corrects us when we are wrong. It does two things. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Scripture is the only thing we can hang our hat on to show us the path, show us when we're off the path, learn how to get back on the path, and stay on the path. And you have to be grounded in Scripture. Now, that can come through people that, that know the Scripture, but the Scripture is always the baseline of truth. And anytime scripture is taken out of any kind of context, that's when you run. And Peter's saying, look for those things that are true. And, and, and here's what I say. If we believe that scripture is only a helpful book and not the authoritative word of God, we have no spiritual foundation which to build your life, my life. It is the truth of scripture that we have to build our life upon. And if we don't, we end up following whatever appears right at the time. And I could have got lucky in Paris, and they could have been French and taken us to where we need to go. But they weren't. They just looked hard. And that's what happens is when, when we are not grounded in a truth, we will end up following whatever looks right. Right now, we live in an information overload culture. Uh, I would... I would suggest that we are in a culture right now, uh, maybe five years ago, we were in a great culture to where we could get any information we needed at the right time. Right now in 2021, we can get any information we need, but we have no baseline for what is true. And that would be in, you know, politics, everything. Uh, everything, you know, we're in the cancel culture. And so things that we do trust are being canceled. But then again, even things that are being canceled, we don't know if we trust them. And so there's this, 
there's this mass confusion of who you are going to listen to. And so what we're going to talk about today, I think, is most important because I have, I have many, many websites that people point me to. You know, this is the new one that is unbiased. You know, all these different things, all this different information in our culture. But the reality is I have no idea who to trust because I get a thousand emails, not every day, but I get hundreds of emails every week, maybe thousands. But they're all pointing me to something else that is the new truth and you need to listen to this. And so the only way we can decipher out is that if we have a working knowledge of the truth of the Word of God. And that's where we need to be. So our challenge today is to not fall for the lie, but stand for the truth and understand that the truth is the Word of God. Let me pray and we'll go look. Father, we love you. And Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to share your Word. And Lord, I pray that your Word would enlighten us today, Lord, to know what we are to look for, what is true. And Father, may we believe wholeheartedly in your word. Jesus, and we pray. Amen. And so in this warning, he's going to tell us, how do you know who not uh, to follow? How do you recognize? And so again, as we read, we're going to read a lot of scripture today. So 2 Peter chapter 2. If you have uh, your, your Bible, go ahead and turn there. If you don't, head on over to the YouVersion app on your phone, Bible.com. And, uh, and follow with me there because I think it'd be important to kind of see it with your own eyes. We will have it on the screen as well. But uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, I want to read verses 1 through 3. And again, there's going to be characteristics of what a false teacher, a false prophet is. And then there's going to be judgment. And today you can, you can highlight whatever you want in your Bible. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But I want you to mentally highlight what the characteristics of a false prophet are that brings judgment upon them says, but there are also prophets, there are also false prophets in Israel, verse 1, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who brought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. But God condemned them, condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. False teachers will deny sound doctrine, discredit the deity of Christ, and deny the gospel. I want to make clear to you, I think Peter probably stressed more in this book, this letter, the judgment over the false teachers and the false prophets because although although they were hard to identify and you'll see why in a second um, the the culture at that point was not flooded with information it was very easy to highlight somebody who was in it for greed and for money and to take money as it was 10 years ago today simple ads on YouTube you know are revenue generating and so that you, you just you don't know the motive. There's, there are many, many, many ways to profit nowadays with information. And so we, we can't just say, well, you know, they didn't pass the offering plate and ask me for their money. You know, they're not that greedy. But, uh, but understand that there are many, many ways in our culture to profit from information. And so the ability to recognize those is, is just as important in that day but I believe it's even more difficult today than it was then. 
verses 4 through 11 real quick. Uh, what, God, what Peter does is he points out where God condemned the ancient world with a flood. But remember this, he saved Noah. God condemned Sodom and Gomorrah, two evil cities. But remember, he spared Lot. And then he talks about uh, false prophets following their own desires. And listen to these. It's highlighted out in these, these verses 4 through 11. The false prophets will follow their own desires. They will despise authority. They are prideful and arrogant. They will mock spiritual warfare, and they will mirror things of the Lord. And these are repeated over and over again. And so I just, as I skip past some passages, I want to I go ahead and highlight them. Then go to verse 12 through 14. It gets a little bit more clear. These false teachers are like unthinking animals, creatures of instinct born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things they don't understand. And I want to stop there because I say this a lot. When, when you put yourself under a, a Bible teacher, whether it's, honestly, whether it's here on this campus or online somewhere, when you put yourself under a Bible teacher, think about this term. They scoff at things they do not understand. What I want to encourage you on that is be very leery, very careful around anybody who's teaching the Word of God or teaching a truth that is not willing to say, I don't know. Because when people are unwilling to say, I don't know, they will make something up to make themselves look better. And it goes back to that greed. A false teacher, a false prophet, is wanting to bring glory to themselves. And so for me to stand up here in front of you and someone shouts out a question, and that's why I like this way better than a classroom, because usually people aren't bold enough to shout out a question that I don't know. But it's embarrassing to say, I don't know. But you know what? As a teacher, it's very freeing to say, I don't know. Because I'm not responsible to know everything. I'm here to proclaim the word of God that I, I do know, but then I am still in that learning process. Don't put yourself under somebody who will not say, I don't know. Because the second they come up against the truth they don't understand, they'll make it up on the fly to move forward. Because the, it's, it's an internal thing that they want. It says in verse 13, their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. Something I never want to be called. Uh, they delight in deception. Listen to this. They delight in deception even as they eat in your fellowship meal. Eat with you in their fellowship meal. They commit adultery with their eyes and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin and they are well trained in greed. They live under God's curse. The biggest thing about a false teacher, a false prophet in your life that is trying to move you from, from and maybe you don't even know it, but from scripture away from scripture is the greed and the deception uh, that is involved. Three key words about being deceptive. Uh, they're articulate. And so when you read this, you think, well, man, I can recognize an animal in a stain on the world, you know. But, but Peter is saying this because so often we cannot. God sees them as an animal. God sees them as the stain. But the reality is sometimes our eyes are blinded and we can't see it because they are very articulate. It says they delight in deception. And so that deceptive nature, they are very crafty with their words. Uh, they're attractive. What did it say? It said they'll eat with you at your fellowship meal. That, that means, you know, you don't 
you don't invite a dog and a stain on society to eat with you, you know, at your meals. You invite someone who is attractive. And so these people are, are deceptive, they're articulate, they're, they're attractive, and then they're persuasive. They lure unstable people into sin. And now I'm very quick to dismiss that because uh, one thing I try not to call myself is unstable, okay? I have been called unstable by other people. But I don't define myself as unstable. But the reality is, who is Peter talking to? Remember the nagging part of it? He's talking to people that, that are there. They're standing firm. But what he's saying is still, 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 he will lure us away. These people will make wrong seem right and evil seem good. That is no more demonstrated in our world than in the last six months. They have discarded and twisted Scripture to win us over. And so it is this moving away from Scripture. Now let me give you my big idea for the day, and I am very proud of this statement. And I think it's more true than I think we can ever imagine. But listen to this, and I want you to soak it in. If you wrestle with a pig, you're both going to get dirty, but the pig enjoyed it. I heard an amen. The first amen of the day. <laughs> Think about that. How many of you have been in spiritual arguments with people and there just seems like no win, no out? Now, it, I'll, I will get dirty and go to the grave trying to win someone over to Christ. But, man, I'll walk away from another person claiming to be a Christ follower that is just wearing me out. Because you know what? We're both getting dirty. And when I walk away, I'm defeated. I'm frustrated. But then you look down the way. That dude had fun. And you know what? When you wrestle with the pig, you both get dirty. And the pig likes it. Be careful where you spend your time. Be careful with what you do. Verse 15 and 16 are interesting. You should go back and read it. It's a reflection on Numbers chapter 22, where uh, God literally presents himself and talks through a donkey. Great story. You need to go read it. Uh, and again, on the context of uh, false prophets. But go to verse 17. These people are as useless as dried up springs. Again, we're talking about the condemnation of them. Or as a mist blown away by the wind. They are doomed to blackness blackest of darkness they brag about themselves and here's what we need to look out for they brag about themselves with empty foolish boasting with an appeal to twisted desires sexual desires they lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception they promise freedom but they themselves are slaves to sin and corruption for you are a slave to whatever controls you in our culture today we have many people that have all would say in his in his letters is that we boast in our freedoms. And sometimes the boasting of a freedom is just a simple way of saying I'm tied to that sin and I can't back off, but I'm going to use scripture to justify that it's okay for me. And so we have to be very careful. Verse 20 gets a little confusing and, and really it takes more time than in the context we can do here, but let me give you the the, the, the quick answer, but I'd, I'd love to have a conversation about this afterwards if you'd like. But it says that when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. That passage takes a little bit of study. Uh, I'm, 
uh, New Living Translations, which we use, it, it kind of uses a word that I'm not a fan of. It says, uh, and when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior. If you go to New American Standard and, and most of the others that say, stay straight to the uh, original text, it says, uh, when people escape from the wickedness of the world by the knowledge of the Lord. New Living Translation kind of indicates this, this relationship. The original text is not referring to a relationship with God, but more knowledge of God. Remember, that's what Peter is talking about. He's talk, talking about knowledge of the word. And when you have that knowledge, and then you begin to escape the world, but you never take that next step of your spiritual journey, you never move forward with God, and then you allow someone in your life to pull you away into false teaching, then what Peter is saying, he goes, you're really better off than where you were before because now you, you kind of tasted the truth of God. You never fully accepted it and entered into that, that relationship with God, but then you were, you were drug away. And so that's why these warnings and these condemnations of the false prophets and teachers are so harsh because it says, uh, end of verse 20, it says, then they get tangled up and enslaved by sin again. And they are worse off than they were before. It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and reject the commands they were given to live a holy life. It's, it's being exposed to the truth, almost accepting it, and then letting someone pull you away and pull you back. Obviously, you're better to be in a relationship with God. But this is not about pulling someone away who had a relationship with God. It's about pulling someone away who was exposed to the truth of God and then was snatched by a false teacher, a false prophet, and then led away by lies before accepting Christ. Peter chose, Peter closes with these two perfect images, and it, and it kind of goes back to the pig thing. 2 Peter 2.22, take a look at that. It says... Uh, they prove the truth of this proverb. And it's Proverbs 26, 11 is one of them. It says, a dog returns to its vomit, and another says, a washed pig returns to the mud. Proverbs 26, 11 says this, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. False teachers are fools, but then those who follow the false teachers become fools. The false teachers they get involved in the mud, and guess what? They like it. They spend time there. They waller in it. And, and their desire is to pull you away you know, from that greed, and they want to they profit uh, from us. Be leery of anybody who is trying to teach you a truth in the Word of God that you cannot check with Scripture. If it goes away from Scripture, run. If that person is unwilling to say, I don't know, but I'll go look it up and I'll get with you tomorrow, run. If that person is defined by greed, run. If that person is claiming a spiritual life without sin, run. Scripture is clear that we all struggle and that God has that path for us. And you know, just to sum it all up, man, I never want to be an arrogant person. And I know I've got that bent in me, but I want to be defined by humility. And, and let, me, let me kind of close with that concept, too. I'm not talking about a teacher that you ask them a question they clearly didn't know, and they made up something 
and went on, you know, bad on them. But what I'm talking about, all these characteristics are not, are not mistakes and mishaps that happen in somebody. It is people that are defined by it. And so ask yourself, is the person you're wrestling with, is the person you're, you're in these discussions with that is maybe trying to lead you to a different belief system, what are they defined by? And, and, and take a look at those. And then are you going to scripture? Are you studying the scripture? Are you letting that be the basis for what you know? And then I want to close with John 3.16. Uh, you know, because if we stop here and we only talk about the condemnation, you have to talk about the truth of the gospel. Um, it, it would be a tragedy for me to just assume that everybody in here is a follower of Christ and they just need to keep a lookout for false teachers. You know, the most vulnerable place to be when it comes to false teachers and false prophets is when you have not yet made that decision with Christ. And so here's the truth of the gospel, and this is where it starts. John 3, 16 through 18. For this is how God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing God's one and only son. And so the question is, have you moved from knowledge to acceptance? You know, the greatest way to recognize a false teacher, a false prophet, is just simply, what do they believe about Jesus? You know, is Jesus Lord? Always start there. And so my next steps for today are very, very simple. Uh, number one, be certain. Be certain of your faith. If you're not certain, I beg you to have that conversation. I'm going to linger around up front here, and uh, I think we've got the table over there. But come talk to us and, and let us know. I'll be up. Jesse will be around. Claiborne will be around. And, and we would love to just share with you more about what it means to be certain in your faith. Also, just, you know, not just taking that next step in your spiritual journey, but also if, if you're curious about church membership, come talk to us. You know, we'll help you. Come, come join us. Be a, be a part of this, uh, of this journey, of this movement. But then not only be certain, but be wise. You know, if something contradicts the teachings of Scripture, man, recognize it as what it is and oppose it. And then be prepared. Uh, be certain. Be wise. Be prepared. Let me pray. Father, we love you. And thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for the worship that we have had, Lord. And I thank you for just uh, uh, how refreshing it is to be in a room of people that want to give you their morning. Father, we just love you. And Lord, I pray for anyone in here that is led astray by false teaching. That, Father, is led astray from just anything that doesn't center on you. And, Father, I pray that you give them the boldness to come and speak to one of us if they're just not certain, Lord, about what you have done. And then, Father, I pray that you would give each of us, Lord, just a, a passion and a conviction about your word. And, Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you all. Have a great week.